Isaiah chapter 64, I think it's verse 4. Just, just a few weeks ago, a, a young couple contacted me, and they just said, pray for us, said uh, we're facing the biggest challenge. We just don't know what we're going to do. Uh, she's expecting a baby. They already have a little child, and, and just they needed more space and just couldn't find any place for her husband to put his business and, and just said, we don't know what we're going to do. And I just sent them this verse. I just, I just sent this, this verse, Isaiah 64. The last part of it says, uh, For from of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. And I just sent that verse. I didn't send any sermon or preaching or anything. I just sent that verse. And uh, she wrote me back, and she said, Praise God. She said that... I know that God is going to work. And, uh, and then just a few weeks later, she said, you're not going to believe it. She said, God has just opened up a place, and it's just everything we dreamed of, everything we needed, he, he has worked for us as we waited for him. And I, I'm just saying that to you today. God works for those who wait for him. And so I, I want us to think, we're, I'm, I'm preaching about the life of Elijah. And let me just say a word about miracles today. I want you to know God still works. God is able to do anything today that he's ever done in the past. And so he can heal. He can, uh, he can restore. He can, he can just do anything because he's God. He can do, there's nothing too hard for him. He can do anything. And... Uh, and that's the reason we pray. We pray and we, we trust God. Well, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. And sometimes we ask selfishly and we don't get what we ask for. But when we pray according to his will and for his glory, he delights in working for us. And so, uh, uh, so God still works. But I want to say that biblically, miracles, sign-type miracles were only done at three basic times in, uh, in, in, throughout the history of man. And uh, uh, every time they were done for this reason, two reasons. Number one, to validate the messenger and the message that was, uh, that was being delivered. You know, uh, uh, sometimes, you know, we hear lots of voices and people say, well, how do I know that's of God? Well, there are times in history where God has said, I will show you that this is from me by doing something through this man that nobody else could do. And uh, that it has to be God. So it's to validate a messenger and a message. And then secondly, it is to refute and discredit the false gods of that day. And... uh, there are three time periods in, in biblical history where God did that. One was in the time of Moses and Aaron when they confronted the pagan gods of, of Egypt. And, uh, and Moses goes down and said, God said, let my people go. And they said, well, how do we know you're speaking for God? And God says, well, hey, I'll show you. And he did some amazing, amazing miracles, including parting the Red Sea. So the children of Israel could walk through it on dry land. Now, you just don't pull that off. Nobody else can do that. And so everybody then had to say, Moses 
must be speaking for God because he, he validated the message and he also uh, 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 ridiculed the pagan gods of Egypt. Every one of the, every one of the uh, plagues was a way to ridicule the pagan gods of Egypt. One of the, one of the gods of Egypt was frogs. They worshipped frogs. They worshipped the frog god. And it was like God said, oh, you like frogs? Okay, I'll give you some frogs. And so he brings millions of frogs. The Bible says that even when the women would open the ovens, the frogs would jump out. They'd go pull their cover back to get in bed, and frogs were all in the bed. Everywhere, frogs everywhere. And it was like God said, uh, I just want to make fun of your frog God. And God can do that, and he did do that. So it was during that time. Then another time, of course, was during the time of Jesus and the apostles. Because Jesus came as the Son of God, the Word of God, the, the prophet and, and, and priest of God. And in order for his message and for him to be validated, he performed miracles. In fact, the Bible calls them signs even. They were signs that basically said, this is God. He is God. And then there was a third time, and that was during the time when Israel had sunk to its lowest place ever. And it was a time when uh, the, the king was reprobate Ahab, and he was married to pagan Jezebel, who worshipped Baal. And so all of the nation of Israel was being drawn into Baal worship, and God raised up... <coughs> two prophets, actually, and to validate their message, God performed mighty miracles through these men. Not just in answer to prayer, but he actually gave to these men, just like he did to Jesus and the disciples, and just like he did to uh, uh, Moses and Aaron, he gave to them the ability to, to, to perform validating miracles. Does all that make sense? Everybody seeing that? Okay. And so, I want us to think about the first miracle that Elijah performed. And uh, we read about it in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, you remember, Elijah has gone. He confronted King Ahab right to his face and basically just said to him, It's not going to rain. There's not going to be any dew in the land until I say so. And then... God told Elijah, go hide yourself down by the brook, Cherith, and you just wait there, and, uh, and you can drink from the brook, and I'm going to order birds, ravens, birds of the air. They're going to bring you bread and meat every morning and every evening, and I'm going to sustain you there, so you just go and wait by that brook. And so... Elijah didn't complain. He just did it. He just went, and he drank from the brook, and every morning these birds would come flying in. They'd have in their beaks some bread. They'd have in their beaks some meat, and, and he would take it and eat it. I know some of you making a face, and you're thinking, I don't believe I'd want to be fed by birds, but it'd be better than not being fed, wouldn't it? And, uh, and, and God ordered them. Oh, I just, we just see the sovereignty of God here. God just says, hey, I can make my creatures do my will. 
and they would bring him every morning, these birds. They'd just get up and wake up in the morning. Well, i got to go feed uh, Elijah. And they'd go pick up something, take it to him. But then after a while, verse 7 says, the brook dried up because no rain was in the land. So we don't know how long. It's just, uh, it may have been a year, it may have been two years. But the brook began to dry up. And here's the thing about Elijah he has such trust in God. I'm just so impressed with Elijah. He, uh, he just trusts God. And uh, he, he doesn't panic. The birds are still coming, but the brook is drying up. He has just enough water maybe to fill a canteen or something like that and just to get a little water, and the brook's drying up. And he just says, well, God sent me here, and here I am. And then the word of the Lord came to him, verse 8, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Now, that's just amazing. You know, just get a, Zidon, in the first place, is not even in Israel. It's 75 miles from the brook Cherith. And it's outside of Israel, and it's up in Zidon, which is where Jezebel came from. It is actually the center of Baal worship. And God says, uh, Elijah, I want you to uh, leave this dry brook now, and I want you to go to Zidon, Zarephath, where Jezebel's from, the center of Baal worship, 75 miles away across the desert. I want you to go there because I've commanded a widow who lives there to feed you. Now, it just seems, you know, I've seen some depictions of this where Elijah gets all upset and everything. Zidon, oh God, not Zidon. And, and a widow, why, well, couldn't you have a, somebody that's uh, kind of important? That, but there's no indication that he did that. He just has such confidence in God. He says, well, you know, if God can send the birds to feed me here by this brook, I don't have any, any reason to worry. And so he gets up and he leaves. He makes the trip. He arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, there was a widow that was gathering a couple of sticks. She just was picking up some sticks there by the gate of the city. And uh, he called to her and he said, Ma'am, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And uh, he's... Apparently, God has kind of showed him that this is, this is the widow. And uh, as she was going to bring him a little bit of water, and by the way, water was scarcity at this time, he said, uh, also bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Bring me some, some little food to eat. My birds aren't feeding me today, and so uh, I need some bread. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, 
only a handful of flour or meal in a jar and a little bit of oil in a bottle or a jug. And I'm gathering a couple of sticks so that I can go in and prepare the last meal for myself and my son so that we can eat it and then die. And again, you might think Elijah might have thought, Lord, you send me to a pagan land, the home of my arch enemy. You send me to a widow who's going to feed me, and I find out that she has a handful of meal and a few drops of oil, and it's all she has. And she's going to fix one little meal cake for her son and her to eat, and then they're going to starve to death. Is this how you're going to provide for me? But he didn't ask that. He didn't say that. In fact, listen to what he did say. He, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and then afterward make something for yourself and your son. Now, the woman must have thought, did I stutter? I mean, I just said that I have a little bit of meal. Here's my meal. It probably wasn't Aunt Jemima. And I have a few drops of canola or vegetable oil, a few, probably olive oil. And, and I, I've just got enough for me and my son to have half a cake each. Then we're going to die. And you, you're saying to me, go and make you one first. Now, if you, if you understand what I've just said, that means I'm not going to get any. If I put you first, you're going to get the meal and the oil, and my son and I will get nothing. But maybe she thought this way. Well, we were going to die in a few days anyway. Might as well die a little sooner than... And so she obeys. Now, I know, first time I ever read this, when I was just a new Christian, I thought, that sounds like a preacher. <laughs> Make me first, you know. Bring me something first. I thought, I don't want to ever be like that. But uh, uh, Elijah is a prophet of the Most High God. And he, in essence, is kind of standing in the place of God. And what he's saying to this woman, put God first. You, you put him first, and then you trust him with the rest. And so, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar or the barrel of meal will not be spent and the jug of oil will not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. He says, I'm going to perform, God's going to perform a miracle of creation.
the God who said, let there be light, and there was light, is going to say, let there be meal, and let there be oil, and it'll be there. And so she went, she did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. Here's the amazing thing. She goes in, she reaches her hand down into that barrel, and she scoops out all the meal that is in there. And then she takes that cruise of oil, and she turns it up, and the last drop comes out. She mixes that together, puts it in the fire, bakes a little cake. It doesn't sound like an appetizing meal, does it? Just meal and oil. But that wasn't too uncommon back then. And she brings it to Elijah and said, As the Lord your God lives, as the Lord your God lives, I give this cake to you, my offering, in his service. And Elijah eats it. And she must have been standing there watching him. Eats the last bite, wipes his mouth. Mm, that was good. It doesn't sound great to me, but I mean, if it had been a piece of cake, maybe, but meal and oil doesn't sound real appetizing, but he ate it, and then he said, now, go, go make some for you and your son. So she goes, and she reaches back into the... And by the way, the... The barrel of oil didn't, I mean, meal didn't fill up with meal. And the cruise of oil didn't fill up with oil. She reached in, and there was one more handful in there. And she takes it out. She turns this cruise of oil up, pours it out. Well, I'll declare there's still some in there. She makes it. She and her son eats. Then the next day, he says, well, it's time for food again. Let's Let's eat. She said, well, you know, I got the last of the meal out twice <laughs> yesterday and the last of the oil twice. He says, well, reach in there and see if there's some more. She scoops up. Well, there's another handful of oil there, uh, of meal. And she turns that bottle up, and enough oil comes out to make food. Well, how about that? And then later that evening... He said, uh, I'm getting hungry again. How about making some more? Well, you know, that barrel's empty uh, three times. <laughs> he says, well, let's reach in there and see. And she reaches in, and there's another handful of meal. So another few drops of oil. And that went on day after day after day as long as he was there with her at Zarephath. Now, as I read this, so many things, but I'm just going to draw two things. Number one, when we put God first and we trust him and wait on him, he is able to take what seems insufficient make it sufficient there was a time in the ministry of Jesus 
when thousands of people had gathered to hear Jesus teach, and he taught them all day, and the evening came, and the disciples said, you need to send these people home so they can have something to eat. And Jesus said, well, uh, you feed them. And they said, well, Master, we don't. It would take two, 200 days of wages to feed this many people. And Jesus said, well, what do you have? He said, well, we have a little, little boy here who's brought a lunch, just a few fish and a few pieces of bread. And Jesus said, bring them to me. And they did. And he said, make all the people sit down. And he began to break that bread after he prayed. He began to break that bread and break that fish, pass them out to the people. And the disciples kept looking, maybe, where's he getting that? And again, it was a miracle of creation. God was creating. God was creating uh, food. When my brother and I were little, we used to have to pick cotton. Did you ever pick cotton, Roger? Yeah, we. And I remember Don and I were saying, boy, we wish we had a magic cotton stalk where every time we pulled a bowl of cotton out, a new one would pop up right there. We wouldn't have to crawl along or walk along all bent over and pick cotton. We could just stay at the same stalk all day, just the same two bowls. We could just pick them, pick them, pick them, pick them. That was silly. I mean, we were going to wish for something. We should have wished for a full sack of cotton. But, uh, <laughs> or a cotton picker, <laughs> that's right. Uh, we were the cotton picker. And, uh, but I just thought how wonderful it would be to have somewhere you could just pull something out and poof, a new one pop up right there. That's exactly what happened here. And that's what happened with Jesus and the disciples. He'd break a piece, bread, give it, and there'd be another to break off and another one to break off. And I know there are people who say, you don't really believe that, do you? I've had people say that to me. You don't really believe that, do you, preacher? I said, yeah, I really do. I believe that, uh, I believe that God can make our insufficiency be sufficient through his sufficiency. And I believe that with all my heart. Now, it doesn't happen for everybody. It happens for those who wait on the Lord and trust in him. That's who it happens for. And it may not happen in the way that we want. I mean, the Bible doesn't say that to this woman, God multiplied uh, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and, and mashed potatoes and gravy and, and uh, hot biscuits. No, just meal and oil. Just meal and oil. But it was enough. It sustained them, and they ate many days. And so I'm telling you that this says that if we put God first he is able to make all sufficiency as it say it over in 2nd Corinthians find it here 2nd Corinthians and God is able to make all I have this memorized but I forgot it 
2 Corinthians chapter 11 or 10 or 9. 9. It's 9. Uh, 9 8. 2 Corinthians 9 8. That's a good one, too. Thank you for trying to help me, you know. It's nice, in a way, being old, because people give you a little more leeway. It's like, well, we didn't expect much, you know. Okay. This is the one. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency... In all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. I call that my all verse. God is able to make all grace. That's how much? All grace. Abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may you may abound in every good work. You say, Lord, I don't have enough to help other people. God said, hey, I have enough to help you in such a way that you'll have enough to help other people. That's what that verse is saying. What a wonderful God we have. What a powerful God we have. What a gracious God we have. And Elijah is teaching us this lesson that God is able to make all grace abound to us so that in we'll have all sufficiency at all times in all things to abound to every good work. I want us to pray. Heavenly Father, I know that there are times in my own life where I have not had enough. And I've cried out to you. As the psalmist said, from the depths, I cried to you. And I said, Lord, I don't have enough. I'm insufficient. And at those very times, as I waited on you, trusted in you, was obedient to you, you met my need, sometimes in ways almost as strange as ravens bringing it, sometimes in ways as strange as a widow in a pagan land providing it. And yet, it was your provision. And I didn't thank the ravens, and I didn't thank the widow. I thanked you. I thanked them, but I, I thanked you for providing through them. And I pray for those today who would say, I, I don't have enough, that they will trust in you, wait on you, call out to you from the depths, cry to you, and find you sufficient.
And even the, the greatest need is for our sins to be forgiven, our life to be changed. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.